Welcome to Points of Departure, a podcast from the Arkansas Global Changemakers in coordination with KUAF Public Radio. Where we aim to place pressing social issues into global context. And bring communities together to find local solutions to global challenges. My name is Lawrence Hare, Associate Professor of History in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. And I am Rogelio Garcia Contreras, Teaching Assistant Faculty in the Walton College of Business. And I'm Daniel Carruth, a producer and reporter for KUAF Public Radio. And we're your hosts for Points of Departure. Coming up on this episode of Points of Departure, in a world that's been meticulously scoured and documented, the explorer may seem like a blast from the past. But our guest today says with a looming climate crisis, People need to rediscover the power and beauty of our world. We live in an amazing planet. When you sleep under the stars or you see the northern lights uh, or you see so many species that you've seen before in, in the in TV and television, but you, you are discovering the world as a kid. Combating climate crisis through adventure with Nacho Dean. That conversation is coming up in just a minute right here on Points of Departure. Hello, my name is Mauricio. I am an engineer from Mexico City, and I listen Points of Departure. Thank you. You're listening to a podcast produced by KUAF, your public radio station for more than three decades. Hello, I'm Timothy Dennis. KUAF's on-air programming features the latest news from NPR, with shows like All Things Considered, 1A, and Here and Now, locally hosted music programs on the weekend that you won't find online, local newscasts every weekday morning at 5.30 and 7.30, updates on events happening throughout the KUAF listening area, and more. To listen, tune your radio to 91.3 FM, visit our website, KUAF.com, or tell your smart speaker to play KUAF. Hi, I'm Lawrence Hare. Welcome to another episode of Points of Departure. Joining me in the KUAF studios is our producer, Daniel Carruth, and with us as always is my colleague and friend, Rogelio Garcia Contreras. Rogelio, do you know this saying, um, it takes a village? Have you ever heard this? Yes. (laughs) Uh, this is a you know this gets thrown around a lot, but it can refer to the sorts of things that we do, talking about solutions to the world's great challenges. And in one sense, it takes a village has a, a figurative meaning, referring to the needs of a imagined global community tackling the pressing problems of our day. It can also be literal, referring to the local communities, towns, and cities in the U.S. and around the world that see problems in their own way and devise their own solutions. But how do we go about activating the potential of these communities, these modern-day villages? In the more figurative sense, how do we bring people together from different cultures and backgrounds with very different experiences and viewpoints to join forces to tackle common issues? That's where today's guest comes in. We're going to be speaking with an individual who has dedicated his life to raising awareness of our planet's imminent environmental peril. I'm speaking of Ignacio Dean known to his friends and fans as Nacho Dean. In a word, this guy is cool. In a day and age in which nearly every square inch of our planet is mapped and photographed and available online, Nacho has found a way to become a modern-day explorer. He is a naturalist, an adventurer. He makes the rounds as an in-demand speaker and author. Above all, he's an activist who works to create that great global village. 
But what makes him perhaps most unique is that he does this by going it alone. In 2013, Nacho Dean set out on a solo journey around the world known as Earthwide Walk. He covered over 20,000 miles on foot, unaided, unsupported, all alone. He followed this remarkable feat up by taking to the water, spending the years 2018 and 2019 swimming across five continents. If you have never heard of Nacho Dean, buckle up because you're about to meet an inspirational figure and find out how his solitary treks are helping to save the world. And Rogelio, I met Nacho through you. <laughs> he joined us as a guest in one of our classes. But how did you meet Nacho? Well, I think I met Nacho through my relationship with uh, Universidad Autónoma de Madrid, which in turn had a relationship with Sustainable Startup Company, uh, which is a company in Spain trying to promote uh, sustainable practices for startups and other businesses, small businesses in, in Spain. And somehow the relationship is, is clear to me, you know, the, the, the need to create awareness for a more sustainable uh, way of approaching our livelihood. And I think uh, Nacho has found a way to create this awareness, uh, putting his uh, perspective and his interest and his vision about it uh, first. Uh, so Nacho, why don't you start uh, sharing a little bit uh, your journey from wherever, wherever whenever you you you, you want to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the journey of my life. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, I started as you said before. Uh, I started in 2013. I made my first steps to undertake the expedition that led me to walk around the world. It uh, this expedition bring me to walk through four continents, 33 countries, 33,000 kilometers on foot to document the climate change. Uh, I've been always, I'm, I'm the son of a captain of the marine, the mercant marine. So since I'm very uh, little kid, I'm used to live in very different places. I grow up surrounded by uh, souvenirs and different items from different countries and different cultures of the world, different parts of the planet. So it was a part of my education. So as I grew up, I realized that the part where I loved to be the most, it was in the open air, in the in nature, in, in the mountains. I realized I studied pub, uh, publicity and um, international relationships, and I studied also a degree in environment conservation. But I realized that what I love the most is, is to do expeditions and to push my limits. Um, so uh, as, I, as I did many uh, trekkings uh, of many, many weeks and even more than a month, uh, I, this, I, I said one day, hey, why not, why not walking around the world? Why not dreaming big? Uh, <laughs> instead of coming back home every week or every month, uh, just take my things and start walking, heading to the east, discovering the world, the, the planet we live in. Instead of reading books or watching movies or documentaries, just uh, watching it with my own eyes. And as uh, Rogelio said before, uh, we live in a planet where more than 70% of the planet is covered by water. And I said, why not connecting the five continents by swimming? I think we are not, we are not conscious of how uh, link our life is to the ocean. Um, so I, I want to put the, to, to bring it to the light. Uh, so. I started swimming, but the, the first adversity that I faced is that I was not a swimmer. Oh, the well, first that's day a problem. Jumped... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just those little details. The first day I jumped into the swimming pool, I swam 100 meters, just four length. So I, I, I became a fish. 
everywhere I, I see water, I jump into the water and start <laughs> swimming. And I start swimming in the swimming pool, of course, in the rivers, in lakes, in the ocean. So two years later, after swimming 2,500 kilometers, I started my my second big expedition that bring me to connect the five continents by swimming. And nowadays, I'm embarked on a scientific sailing expedition around Spain. It's called the Blue Spain. Um, we want to document this uh, pioneer uh, project. Uh, we want to make the first uh, map about marine de debris, uh, plastics and microplastics all around Spain. So it's a 10 months expedition. We started in September in 2022, and we will be sailing all around the coast of Spain until June 2023. Um, this is an amazing expedition, and I, I love it because when you watch the ocean, you only see blue water. But every sample we take from the ocean, we see so many, many things mm -hmm. that they send them to the laboratory in the University of Cadiz. And the, the scientists will analyze them and will make a scientific paper that we want to have an international impact. And why not? make the same in France, in Italy, in UK, or in, in different countries like USA. So we have the boat parked here in the harbor, and tomorrow we will be sailing from just, it's a 20 hours traverse, sailing traverse. It's bad weather now, December is not the best season to sail, so we have to find the, the best window Oh. to go from one point to the next one. Did, did you know tomorrow, how to sail? Or is this a new thing for you? Did you have to learn? It was like the swimming expedition. <laughs> uh, I think I'll <laughs> sail. I, I just know that one of these days you're going to end up in space. Or we're going to hear about you in orbit. <laughs> well, I, well, well, let's see. Let's see. I, I, I met a few days ago a guy who, who flies balloons. Oh, uh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. So who knows who next expedition? I had to learn. I had to learn. So since 2019, I started studying and practicing how to sail. So now in this expedition, I'm I'm learning even more. But I'm, I'm an, how do you say, I'm an apprentice, a guy who is always learning. Uh, yeah, but you know, there's a there's something interesting about that because your your message is I want you're challenging the people that follow yes. you to do yes. things that are hard for them that are not that they're not accustomed to doing, right? Yes. And I I count myself among those people when you say, oh no, you can stay out in a tent in in really cold weather. It's totally fine. I'm thinking that that seems really hard to me, but you're saying, hey, I. And, and you're setting that example. You say, I'm not afraid to learn new things, to do things I'm not used to doing. So that's that seems like a big part of your message. Yeah, adversities uh, motivate me. They motivate to to give my best and to see if I'm able to, to push the limits. It makes me feel alive. I want to talk about that. So you... I made the point earlier that you go, you kind of go it alone. I mean, that's a, this is a, so, these are solo treks that you made, especially earlier in your career. But do you have people around you who are helping you to raise awareness from the action that you're taking? Yes, yes, of course. Uh, it's true that when I started my expedition around the world on foot, I, I was not a famous adventurer. So I, I get no sponsors and I had a very little but powerful team. Uh, there were two people. They, they focused on communication with mass media, social nets, the website. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a hard work to prepare everything, the, the, the vaccines, to contact the embassies, 
to, to paint an itinerary and a calendar and all those things that you have to prepare just to, to show shit. But uh, once I, I show that I was uh, someone trustable, that someone that says something and go for it, I get some sponsors for my next swimming expedition. And nowadays, as I said, uh, the, we are the 10 people team. Some of them, they go on board. I mean, the scientific team and also the sailor and also the, the, the guy who drives the boat. And then some of the team, they are on land and they are focused on the press manager and the sponsorships, marketing. They, I, I, I want to give uh, to say thank you to them. Nacho, you, you want to raise awareness uh, about our yes. planet, about, uh, about our intrinsic uh, relationship with nature. Can you elaborate a little bit more and be more specific about the, the aspects that you really want to highlight in your in your trips? You know, what is it about? Is it about ecosystems? Is it about the diversity? Uh, is it about the changes that we are seeing already through this uh, uh, environmental crisis? What mm. is it that you mm. want to raise awareness about? Well, as as as, as I go on expedition, I, I realize that I see the two sides of uh, the same coin. We live in an amazing planet when you sleep under the stars or you see the northern lights uh, or you see so many species that you've seen before in, in the in TV, in television, but you, you are discovering the world as a kid. And that's something that I think we are losing. Of course, I want to, to demonstrate what I said with scientific data, but I think we, we have lost that uh, capacity to fascinate uh, that vision of, of the world as a, as a boy, as a kid. So that's something that I, I'm discovering that makes me feel so alive. But I see the other side of the, of the coin, and it's uh, how we are de destroying the planet with our uh, activity, with the human activity. So I've seen, I've seen also the huge uh, biodiversity lost. We are losing a species so fast that some of them, we don't know them even the, just before they disappear. There are some uh, research of the United Nations. They say that in the last uh, 50 years, we have lost more than 60% of the species of the world. This is so fascinating because this reminds me in a lot of ways, I'm a historian, so this reminds me of, of, of historical examples from, from the 18th century, for example, of travelers who go abroad and then they write these accounts and what makes them special is they have this credibility. They were, they're witnessing things that no one else back home has ever seen before, and they become celebrities. But mm. in your time, and that's what you are. You're 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 sort of spreading the word through your travels, but you're also a witness in many ways. You're mm. personally seeing these phenomena. Well, it's interesting though is that we all live in the same world with you, <laughs> but we don't yes. always see these things. We need people like you to to go and say, mm. hey, it's it's not just what we're here reading in the science papers or seeing on TV. I've actually been there and seen that. And so that's that's part mm. of your message, right, is to, to talk about yeah. what you yourself have experienced. Yes, I bring not only what I see, but I also bring the experiences of thousands of people living all around the planet that they tell me, they explain to me how their environment are changing in the last years, how the forests are being burned just to grow Palma, palm oil, or I see met so many people with masks in India or in Nepal, in Kathmandu, because the air is so unbreathable. Wow. Or I see so much pollution of because of plastics in the last 40, 50, 60 years. I think it's, it's, it's important. I, I try to mix, because sometimes explorers are not scientists. 
And sometimes scientists are they work in laboratory, they are not right. explorers. But I want to mix both worlds. I want to to mix the world of exploration with the world of science. And I think it's very important the way you, you tell things. I, I don't want only to, to point at the wrong things. I want to show there is hope. I want to show the positive message. I want to show that the, uh, we are able to change things. It's in our hands. We do the bad things, but we can change into the good things. So, you know, a, a huge percentage of society, I don't know, maybe 90, 95% of society, they are not uh, aware, they don't care too much about the environment because they have their own problems. They have, they have their daily lives. So there is no need that they to make them feel guilty. So I want to, to make them feel passionate about caring the environment and showing the beauty of the planet where we live. Of course, always supported by data, but uh, I want to show the beauty of the planet where we live and how good is it for our health, for our economy. Sometimes if it's not about money, we don't care about, but uh, our economy is, and is so related to the environment and the resources that we have to pay attention to that. You're listening to Points of Departure. We'll be right back after this break. Hello, this is Olga, and I'm an Associate MBA Director at the Wong College of Business at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville, and I listen to Points of Departure. Hey everyone, this is Irving Camacho, host of the District 3 Podcast, Arkansas's first bilingual podcast focused on community efforts and movements. You can listen to it at KUAF.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at District 3 Pod on Twitter, District 3 Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. To discover more KUAF podcast productions, you can go online to KUAF.com or just search KUAF in your podcast app. Going back to the point that Lawrence was making before in relation to these explorers of the 18th and 19th century and how at the time we didn't have the communication and uh, you know the, the, the tools that we have today to be able to perhaps be with you in, in one of these moments as you cross the Himalayas or I don't know, like as you are... Uh, you know, swimming, uh, you know, in the South Pacific or whatever, there might be the technology that goes with you. But but at the time, you know, in the 18th, 19th century, they they would write, they would share their stories whenever possible. And then the collective imagination would would build these worlds, you know, like in, in, Mm. in, in this in this in this way. And, and sometimes that collective imagination persists till this day. I have a, a, a good example about that, like Baron von, von Humboldt, who traveled yeah. through the Americas. You know, when he arrived to Mexico City, he called it the most transparent region of air. Until this day, poets that refer to Mexico City refer to Mexico City in such a way when it is not even close to what it was yeah. in the 19th century. <laughs> These right? impressions have yeah. staying yeah. power yeah. for sure. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, in, in a way, I am uh, curious about how do you perceive that your experience and what you have shared really have created this passion that you're talking about that potentially could translate into action? How do you think this explosion of information can actually translate into action. Uh, do you see that happening? Well, I receive hundreds or thousands of messages through the social nets, uh, by email, 
of people, not only from Spain, but all over the world, that they are inspired by my story. Um, they Since they knew me, they, they go walking to places. For example, just not taking the car or just not taking the, the bus or the motorbike. They, they go by bicycle or they go walking. Also about the, as consumers, they, they tell me that they try not to buy so many uh, food or uh, objects uh, covered by plastics. So I think that more and more people is being conscious about True, there, there is a lot of information and what we have to do is to change that information into knowledge and from knowledge into wisdom. So I think the most interesting thing is to, to make a net, like a spider net, a, a net of contacts all over the world so that uh, if we impact in our surroundings or family or relatives, the friends, and we do the same, we can make like a net all around the world that is changing things. There is a, a beautiful sentence that say that little people in little places doing little things, they can change the world. Of course, I, I know that a global vision is needed, not only citizens or consumers, but also companies and also authorities. Well, now, because... that, you, yeah, now that you mentioned that, you do <clears throat> frequent speaking engagements for companies right yes. and i don't i mean i don't want to spoil what you have to say for those companies i, I hope more would invite you to come and speak but mm. i imagine that one of the things the companies are interested in is your like the character that you have your resilience your your mm -hmm. willingness to take action they probably see sort of corporate values embedded in your actions but i'm wondering cuz surely you talk about the things that you've seen do you get positive responses from companies and audiences to the environmental message that you have when you when you go and present to these companies um they want me to to explain what i've seen all around the world and the values that i have to undertake my expeditions because nowadays as society and in companies we are facing a so a challenging moment that we have to change business as usual so now all those values and that attitude and that vision is 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 needed so that's that's what i talk in in those speeches and in those conferences and what they have to make changes inside the company and that's that's quite challenging because uh, well we think the resources are uh, illimited but that that's not true so now the way of acting is is different are you are you hopeful nacho are you <laughs> do the, after well, all these, do you remain do you remain hopeful on the on the ability of the of the human species to mm. to turn well, this around? The, well, uh, that's a very good question, Rogelio. Um, as a public person, I'm hopeful, but then I have my uh, lonely days, and <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, I, I don't I don't want to be negative or pessimist, but as years go on, uh, the, the statistics are not better in pollution, in global warming, in temperatures. In, so, well, maybe there are no reasons to keep optimism, but I think that's our, our nature. We are explorers and we are made sometimes we don't anticipate, but we react to things. And that's what I, we call ourselves homo sapiens. We say we are intelligent. Let's show this. Let's demonstrate this. Prove it. <laughs> um, 
let's prove it. Yeah, let's prove it. And uh, you know, nature has its own rules. So if we don't follow those rules, nature will put us in our place. And, and, and going back to this uh, optimism that needs to prevail and somehow drive the work that you do and all these expeditions and the idea that you were referring to just a few minutes ago in relation to the ability to do small things, this network of small actions can actually transform the world. You actually reminded me of this book by Arundhati Roy, who is an activist, uh, Indian activist, called The God mm. of Small Things, more or less referring mm. to this specific aspect that you're talking about. Can you share with us some of these uh, small things that you have encountered around the world in your expeditions, you know, some of these stories that you think, oh, we can replicate this? Yes. For example, I remember that when I was walking through the Atacama Desert uh, at the no in the north of Chile, is the driest desert on, on earth. Uh, there is no water, just a, a little leak of water every 10 years. So just before you talk about Humboldt, uh, the Humboldt stream, it came from the south of the Pacific and go all the coast of Chile and Peru, and it's very cold water. So there is a phenomenon, an atmospheric phenomenon, that it makes a, a like a very dense fog. They put like a big plastics and the condensation of the water of the fog that's the way they get water. So we, we can use creativity and we can use our, our ingenious to solve problems like the certification that like in that part of the of the planet. In another part, like in Australia, it's also desert. But we have uh, the cattle. We always keep the cows and the horses and the sheep in the same part of the land. So the land is overexploited. But that's not the natural way of, of uh, behaving the cattle. The cattle used to move from one part to another one. It's nomad. So they have uh, implemented a new system. They put all the cows moving like a nomad culture. And suddenly started the, the, the how can we say, the seed of the cow. They make the plants grow in the desert. So now what it was before, before it was a desert, now there are they are growing vegetables and they are growing trees. So we have to change also the way, not overexploit the, the land and not to have the cattle in the same portion of land for years. That's 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 insane. We have to learn to live with, with less things. But that's not easy when we are so bombed by advertisement, by publicity, by consumerism. Um, I think it's related. Uh, to the spiritual world, we we are very materialistic, but we don't we don't develop our inner world, and so that's a lack. We have to work on that on that side in the first world. I talk about the United States. I talk about Europe. Uh, I talk about Japan. That we have to work on that inner world. I totally agree on what you're saying, and and uh, mm. two things came to my mind. Like two two, two train of thoughts, completely different. So let me. Uh, explore one first. In these expeditions that you have taken, I bet that you have touched this inner world, this spiritual aspect, your connection with the planet in, in a way must have triggered a, a spiritual experience. Can you talk a little bit about that and and what would be your recommendation for mortals that, like like us <laughs> that that <laughs> perhaps will never will never walk around the earth but but what can we do at a lower scale 
<laughs> I, I think I, I have nothing to, to explain to you. I know, I, I am sure that you know everything. But I am talking about my own experience. And I've been living, when I was walking around the world, I, I've been living during three years just with a few things that you can keep on a trolley. You have to take care of everything because there are no shops and no supermarkets and no places where you can buy new ones. You have to repair and fix them. After those three years, I realized that your happiness is not related to the things that you have. It's related to having a purpose. We all want to be happy and it seems that you will be happy having many things. But no, happiness is, is an inner state of your soul, of your spirit, of your mind. Finding a purpose to the things that you do. I've been living during three years with the things I can keep in a trolley. And I found peace, the inner peace. I found happiness and I found a meaning for life. And when you are so close to survival, you realize who you really are. And once you discover that, the power that we have inside of us, I mean, physically, mentally, and spiritually, you can only build on it. Everything is a present. You have to refuse every material thing, but also so many fears that we have because of the education and the society where we live. Um, there are so many taboos. It's we, we think that we have to eat three or five times every day, that we need a wardrobe full of clothes, um, we need a huge car and all those things that we hear about, but we can't walk 50, 60, 80 kilometers, sleeping in a tent, uh, climbing mountains up, up to the 5,000 meter high on level C and being 50 degrees by the day, 25 below zero at night. Um, you realize that oh, that's not true, that we have a huge potential and well, that's something that's a huge treasure that I discovered. Um, we live in a very comfortable society. We don't need to, I, I mean, was to, to discover or to use that potential that we have. But when you are in nature, you discover amazing things. Just to wake up in the early morning, uh, to see the full, the, the, the full moon in the night, the stars, the sing of the birds animals holding around your tent, uh, wolves holding around your tent, and the, so many animals, birds, monkeys, insects in the jungles. It's like, well, we have to think out of the box, jump out of the comfort zone, and discover that there is an amazing world waiting for us, and not only out there, but also inside us. I like that you're you're saying how, how you discovered the the beauty inherent in the potential of both nature and humanity. That, that's, a, mm. that's really meaningful. Do you believe in all these network of uh, stakeholders and shareholders of uh, planet Earth, do you, what, what is the role that governments uh, need to play, in your opinion, uh, at this moment of uh, extreme crisis? Uh, I realize uh, as we go sailing now with this scientific expedition, we find so many plastic items in the beach. I'm talking about ear sticks. I'm talking about plastic bags. I'm talking about lids, bottles, uh, things coming from the fishing boats. All those things must be ruled by law. You have to punish companies if they make uh, unrespectful uh, behaviors. And in the same way, you have to reward all those attitudes that uh, they are uh, sustainable and respectful with nature. 
we, we don't want to clean the beach forever. We need to close the tap. We need to go to the to the roots of the problem. And the roots of the right. problem is the governments and the companies, and they have to change things. So there are some movements now, like B Corp and B Love. Maybe you heard about them. Yes, I'm yes, sure yes. that you did. You did it. I'm a proud ambassador of the B Corp movement, and those companies must be recognized by law. Those companies put the people and the planet in the center of their strategies and in, the, in their objectives. They are not working only for money. It's, it's okay. You have to do things for money, but not only for that. You, you have to demonstrate that you create a positive impact in society and the environment. So I think now the companies are changing their traditional models into a social model. In that, in such a way that if they don't demonstrate that they cause a positive impact in society, they will disappear because society is demanding every day more and more uh, companies that uh, cause a positive effect. Glad you're bringing that up, uh, Nacho. We are promoting the P4 initiative here at the uh, at the uh, University of Arkansas and is uh, mm. consulting for people, planet, profit, and is an mm. attempt to consult with for-profit businesses that want to obtain the B Corp certification. And I, one of the reasons for which we want to do this is precisely everything that you just mentioned in relation to the B Corp. And I am very happy to hear that you're an ambassador for, for that mm. movement. Um, yes, yes, we, we have to do that. Um, I think companies, they make an exponential impact in the environment. So, uh, well, I think they can change things. And I think there is a huge opportunity in the market for that also. And, and that, that's the way, as I said before, the global action, all a global action is needed. So, so if, if we go to buy products to the shops or to the supermarkets, but the products that we find, where, where they come from, what, what they are made of, who, who made them, it is very important. So, okay, we as consumers, maybe we are very conscious about the environment, but if the products that we buy, they don't came from a sustainable way, that's useless. So the companies also must be conscious and must make things in that way. And how they do that? Uh, they, they do that uh, when the governments and the law helps them to do that. Uh, <laughs> like, exactly, they, they, yeah. Yes. Well, and, and what, what I really admire is that you, you think about this problem comprehensively. So, you, you know, government, co companies, individuals, you know, large and small, like your ambitions, well, let's put it this way, your goals are as ambitious as your actions, it seems. Mm -hmm. um, I know for a fact that they're not here, but I know you made a, a, a strong impression on our students when you when you spoke to them, uh, when we, um, we met in 2021 and you made a very strong impression on them and now mm -hmm. I'm hearing you really lay out at least three key themes which is the urgency for action uh, mm -hmm. the need for connection and the possibility of hope and, mm -hmm. and that seems to be consistent through all of your expeditions all of the various environments and climates wet and dry that you find yourself in so it's been a real treat to get to talk to you today Yes, thank you very much, Nacho, for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Hope to see you soon. Thank you very much.
You've been listening to Points of Departure. Your hosts are Rogelio Garcia Contreras and Lawrence Hare. I'm producer Daniel Carruth. Points of Departure is a podcast production of KUAF Public Radio and Arkansas Global Changemakers. For more information, go to KUAF.com. Where hmm. there's only one. Oh, sorry. There's a siren outside. Sorry. <laughs> we're close to the fire station. Sorry. We're, yeah. we're very close to the fire station, yeah. <laughs> so we should always build a radio station next to the, the fire department. <laughs> the I, I, re- I remember once that I was in, in Indonesia, it was in Java, in the island of Java, and I had an interview, and the, the street is so noisy, they are full of cars, motorbikes, everything. So it was the moment to make the interview by telephone. I ran inside the building. And I didn't realize it was a fire station. And, sad- <laughs> and suddenly there was a fire and all the sirens started sounding. And it was like, oh, it's the worst place for me to make an interview. <laughs> yeah.